You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Welcome to the All In Podcast. The podcast brings you a new perspective on the dental industry. I am Shane McElroy, and I'm joined, as always, by Blake McClellan. How are you, buddy? I'm good. You got that one on the first try. So, I didn't you know, screw it up. I almost froze there for a second. I was gonna. I was thinking about the like the the bass side thing, like beep a beep a beep a Blake, but I went ahead and not do that. I didn't want to embarrass myself, you know. You know, doing the first cut every time is always. It seems to make better content when we go back and redo it, and so it's just never the same. It's never is good. You can't repeat it. The, the magic same. that's created between the two of us, absolutely. <laughs> so what's going on, man? What's what's new for the year so far? You just got back from your sales meeting, right? Yeah, that was last week. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was here in Georgia. Uh, seeing a lot of my buddies win some awards. Wait, wait, wait. You didn't, you didn't get an award? I mean, you know, I got some awards, dude. I just didn't want to brag. You know, <laughs> not the big one. Not the big one. Yeah, I saw London on uh, on LinkedIn. I think you post on Instagram and stuff, man. I'm glad he's doing doing good with it. Oh, he, he crushed. And then um, my buddy Damon McFarland, he won Rep of the Year. London almost won it. Damon's really cool. We'll probably have him on at some point. It was it was good meeting though. It's always good to see all these people. Biohorizons is like some of the ideas that you've had and I've kind of delivered to them. So that stuff's starting to happen now, man. It's kind of crazy. So you're having a, a big impact. It's pretty cool. You know, it, we had a really good call this week with a couple different companies. Actually, but one call specifically uh, because you had set it up was a call with Henry Shine. And, you know, they were talking about how they're starting to acknowledge and embrace this influencer movement and what they can do to participate or to a kind of adopt it company-wide. So, you know, they're starting to scratch the surface and it's nice to see that these larger companies get it and that the market education is kind of over. And now we're focused on this more of uh, getting initiatives taking place and starting and in, in that integration of that community of like DIA and those kind of people integrating. Well, that's into where that, that call came from originally from Shine. They reached out to me because they saw me like hanging out with a bunch of the you know speakers uh, um, at DIA. Like you're kind of, you know, well connected. I'm like, I guess I'm just friends with Blake. So I'm friends with everybody else now, too. And <laughs> from the guy who couldn't get into any club to now all of a sudden I'm the guy with a guest list at DIA. Like, look at that come up. How about that? I know. It's cool to see a company like Shine like coming there. I mean, you had a we had a there was a bunch of Zimmer was there, like just kind of checking it out, not even necessarily as a big sponsor, and just being like, Oh God, we gotta change. So that's really cool, man. Yeah, so you know, we had some funny. big execs there and um and some big calls afterwards, you know, but I get frustrated because it's like pounding sand, because here's the big disconnect is we're not that good at branding in dentistry as a from a business side, and we're not that good at branding from a clinician side. So we've got a total disconnect in branding, marketing, and all of that, and the concept of it. And so these brands are going to influencers and going, okay, make a campaign, make a successful ROI for us. They have no idea what an ROI looks like, what the budget should be, you know. And so you know, some of these calls are well, they want immediate conversion too, and they don't get the the process of it. That's kind of why I'm excited about this episode today because uh, our guest has pretty damn good understanding of all that stuff. Well, they want to they want to track it, right? And it's not so linear. Like the way they want to do this is they, they expect it to be very transactional. So post equals transactions, and there's a little bit more to that, especially when you're talking about marketing in our industry is by teaching courses. So all the marketing is in collaboration with education. So you've got to find some way to market your product by educating them on it through social media. And with all the compliance issues that medical companies have in the first place, it's very murky. And so 
I think that's what's happened is there's just, they need people like David to come in and say, yo, this is exactly how you create a strategy. It's not, you know, rocket science. It's the same in every industry. It's, it's branding and storytelling. And, and so, um, no, I, I'm excited to have David on. We met at a hotel in Dallas at a bar. No kidding. I was on a call. I think he was on a call. We both heard, kind of overheard each other's conversations and then it started, we started talking to each other and then several drinks and games of pool later, uh, we, we really <laughs> became good friends. And so I've been keeping up with David over the years and following him and, and, and really trying to learn from him. Uh, and, uh, fortunately we had him at DIA this year. Uh, I asked him to, if as a favor, if he could come out and wake these people up. No, it was awesome. I actually got to meet him. I met him at the party. I had to go introduce myself because I guess you were trying to keep me away from. And so <laughs> I had a few drinks in me, maybe a little inebriated. And I came in and I was like, David, what's up, man? Uh, I'm Shane. You know, Blake won't introduce me. And he's like, oh, I love Blake. And then I knew something was wrong with him, but he's obviously brilliant. And so uh, I'm, I, I'm re- like really stoked to have him on. So, well, yeah. So we'll give him a little brief, a brief rundown for the audience that doesn't know him, um, or what his story is and I'll, his resume, and I'll let him kind of better explain it. But David started at the Coast Guard and then worked his way up through different major uh, production organizations or media companies, if you will, from Showtime, DirecTV, Walt Disney, uh, PBS, uh, and then worked his way up through Marriott and worked with several other major brands in the Fortune 500 and 100. Yeah, let me let me read a couple of these off for you real quick. Uh, Walmart, Southwest, uh, let's see, HBO, 24 Hour Fitness, Disney, ABC Television Group, uh, Marriott, PBS. Ever heard of him? He's won an Emmy. <laughs> yeah, he's won an Emmy. Crazy. He's won a Keynes Lion Award. He's won a James Beard Award. This man gets it when it comes to media, and he's worked from you know all kinds of different aspects of it, from working to producing shows to creating brand strategies. And so I met him while he was giving a lecture to Southwest Airlines, I believe. You know the guy's incredible. He gets it, and he and he he also understands the influencer side and how it can be abused. And and so uh, I, I you now need to know that this guy's the real deal. And whatever he says from here on out, you just need to just soak it up like a sponge, and, and, and you don't need to question his authority, if you will. But uh, David, welcome to the show, David Ebay. Thanks, thanks for having me. I, uh, should have my mom listen to this because you guys explained what I do, and she never, she can never understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it, if it makes you feel better, my mom's our number one fan. No, there you so, go. See? like, she's actually actual truth. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna look at their like your resume and stuff, and I'm like. Well, wow, that kind of you know all these awards and stuff, I'm like blows away my participation trophy for basketball when I was like twelve. So well done. <laughs> so what did you think of DIA? Because I got to think that's a little bit different from some of the other conferences you've done, which you've done a lot. Oh yeah, I, I spend uh, a lot of my time on the road, traveling, speaking, uh, doing keynotes at conferences, and you know I think that I mean in general they're always fun because I think people are excited to get away right from their day to day and and go out and learn but i think the I, one i think the the overall experience the programming and and people at di make it completely different because it, in itself it's different uh it's not i would say it's not traditional um I, I think there's also a lot of a lot of effort put in um on you know just the 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 small things um, as well. And, and those things come through and get noticed. And I think people get a lot out of it. And, and I know that they have a lot of fun, including myself. Um, so it's, a, it's, uh, it's good fun. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you recall, but I was pouring some, some 
liquid down the yes, luge, the yes, shot yes. luge for you, man. That was awesome. Yeah, at one point we had the Harvard professor doing a shot from the shot luge, yeah. and I think Jane, you were the one pouring it. But yeah, that was uh, a. <laughs> we had some executives on some tables dancing too. So I, I'm assuming that because you know you're you're you do some stuff with Hollywood and all that, you've probably been to some pretty cool parties. Does that rank up there as one of the cooler parties? I'm just curious. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I, I'm going to go back to the people thing because that's, you know, you go to a lot of conferences and people oftentimes are fairly, you know, shy or, or reserved. And I think, uh, regardless if you, if you know, you go to DIA, it's very collaborative and people are talking and introducing themselves and, and really wanting to, to learn from each other. And I think that's something that's certainly sticks out you know there's a there's a, a kind of a, a obviously a, a great structure and, and, and programming and there i think the other thing that's unique is there's something you know for for everybody like if you want to get up at 6 a.m and do yoga you can <laughs> if you want to <laughs> if you're still sleeping <laughs> in till whatever time you know so it's it's really important sort of that that people aspect and i think that's where a lot of the success is going to come from because those are it's an experience right and those are the the experiences you're going to go back and talk about um to other people and sort of grow that that cult in a sense well and you're saying cult here so you know look from a branding perspective i kick myself every day with dia and how little we do and put effort into branding this and you know growing the brand in a sense but doing the textbook stuff that we should be doing because it's been so easy for us in a sense of like there's a lot of work we put in the event and everything else but the growth of the brand i mean we're at almost eight thousand followers you know we we don't do paid ads we don't do marketing we don't do any of that and and we sell out from sponsorship to tickets we sell out so you know i I kick myself in the sense of that but isn't there something to making a movement right now in branding isn't isn't that the goal is to create something that goes like viral like that fire festival for instance or uh burning man well yeah i think it's if you relate it to those you know those are all experiences where people know there's going to be sort of like-minded people with similar interest right and so that's where that you sort of get that ground swell eventually and then everyone jumps in so i you know i think again it's uh, go back to even the the social media that dia does is you know it's very different right from any other sort of uh conference it's <laughs> that's got the professional slick look and the you know the picture and and all of that and and i but i think that's, that's something i talked about at the event was how do you how do you create something that does stand out what is that sort of like you know that thumb stopping content that's like whoa what is what is this and whether someone thinks it's you know different, silly, whatever it is, it, it's got their attention, and they start to dig in to understand what it is. So I think, in that sense, it's it's very different. But that's what you need today to to be to to grow something. But it it does go back to uh, many years from now, you're gonna have you know who knows how big this thing will be. Maybe it'll be uh, even a, a larger event, more days. I mean, who knows? But I think it's it is that idea of people coming together and sort of that, and it does start small. Um, you know, there's one other event that I go to that's uh, around brand storytelling and they start the same way, very small, 30 people. And you just kind of keep hammering away at it. But where you're, I think where you guys are right in that strategy is you're investing in the brands, right? You're, yes, you're selling tickets. Yes, you're selling True. sponsorships. Um, and hopefully you know, covering expenses and making money, but it's the, where you, you see it as that long tail game about investing and building that brand. And I think a lot of, 
I think that's where we're going in markets, kind of the pendulum swings back and forth. But you're starting now to see, okay, more brands, even smaller companies understand the value of investing in brand. It's not an immediate payoff by any means. It doesn't drive a subscription, a sign up, a customer, or uh, whatever it may be, but it's over time. And that's where it's going to pay you back 10x down the road. Well, yeah, we're seeing in our industry right now, we're seeing so much consolidation. So what used to be identified as an implant brand or a specific vertical that they were chasing, right? That was what the brand identity was. Now they're trying to offer all kinds yep. of solutions and maybe expand outside of dentistry. And so what brands are you seeing in your side, whether you work with them or not, what brands do you think right now are doing a great job of executing there's, brand you know, There's a lot of, um, you know, it, it's, it's always a tough question to answer because there's certainly the larger, the big brand, big brands um, uh, investing in this. Um, the, the challenge that big brands have is they are so big. It's, it, there's not necessarily one story to tell, but they do understand. Again, it is about building it, 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 overall the concept is that they understand that the highest level that none of us want to necessarily be interruptive interrupted right and that idea that traditional interruptive advertising does not perform as well as it used to so if 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 i if i can't interrupt you right if if you don't want to be interrupted then how do i change my strategy to become the content you want to see um, and, and sort of switch it and, and flip it on its head and say, let me help you, let me inform you, let me entertain you, let me do whatever and build that relationship that way. And so a lot of big brands are doing that. I think, you know, we did that really well at Marriott um, with hotels um, in the hotel space and hospitality in general, anything that is experiential nature has a, a much not easier but it's you have a lot more opportunity to use content and connect those two experiences both both online and offline and then you you know bring that down to to banking's another industry that uh you know a lot of people said uh, brick and mortar sort of banks are going to go away because of technology and in fact you're seeing uh again it, it sort of come back to where banks are understanding look we've got this stale boring environment right? That people come into. It's not fun. So how do we change that to be an experience while they're banking with us? Um, and so you've got a lot of banks becoming uh, everything from having live performances to cafes to very open concept. Oh, yeah. I think it's Chase Bank or Citibank doing the cafes. Yeah. So you've got that. And so, and then even they're doing like little education things in there. And so it's not this, re, you don't hate going to the bank anymore. Step it up, Bank of America. What the hell, man? All right. <laughs> and then you bring that down even to, to, you know, again, dentistry is very much an experiential thing, right? And so what's the opportunity there to online do content and storytelling and branding, but then also bring that into IRL, that real life, like how do you connect those two? And David, I'd like to bring that back to the industry, but if you could take, oh, I'm really interested in knowing your, like your process. All right, let's say, all right, Marriott, how did that come about? And when you come in to, to meet, I'm assuming a boardroom or whatever, how does it begin? Where do you start with them? And, and what is your specific process for this? Uh, you know, I, I think we always start at what is that space? What is that uh, white space that you can own? Meaning, what is that that narrative that I can tell authentically? And by authentically, I mean that I, I have a I have a right to sort of talk about this, whatever it is, right? So, if you are in whatever industry, 
it's not that specifically about that product or service. Let's say you have, because you're tools you or whatever you created are innovative or whatever they may be what's that sort of unique space that you can that you can own and create content around and then sort of identifying that that why behind it so it's very much about very uh high level in a sense before we even get to any sort of creative in fact creative is uh the very last thing that you get to whereas most people start with what do we create um because they assume they know but then it's like, how is it different from what everyone else is doing? So it's first carving out what is that space? What what can I own that's that's unique to me, or that I again have the right to to talk about now? And in travel, with, with Marriott's case, you know, as a company narrative, they wanted to be the you know the world's favorite travel company, very much around experiences. Now that's. Again, that's that's easier to align. But if you look at other brands around, whether it's Nike or you know Apple, very much owns innovation. So what is that that world that you want to to own? That that's the very first step, and it's and and that's a lot of workshopping, and it takes a lot of time to actually get to that. So if you're if, let's say you're a dentist right now, and you're, you know, and you're 50, 55 years old, and you understand that social media is something you should be doing, but you're not. And you barely put any money into uh, your your website and things like that. Do you ever focus on the net that they're using to catch with all the marketing that they're doing? I mean, because I see a lot of people who say they spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month in marketing, and they're they're not they don't even, maybe not have a mobile website or they don't have their the social media with a nice portfolio or profile. It may be just something that the web developer threw up there. Is that a major factor? Because, I mean, from our experience with Shane, I know that we've seen in the marketing side for implant-wise that if their team's not trained, the marketing's effortless. I mean, pointless. <laughs> Let's throw $30,000 at this and not pay somebody to answer the phone properly. Right. <laughs> like, it's all of those things, right? I mean, you've got a part of it is part of the next sort of step is mapping out what I call sort of your distribution ecosystem. And so like the platforms that you'll be pr- putting yeah, out. So the, the, the platforms, but also just experiential. So connect, connecting people, you know, you mentioned phones to to what's happening on social to online, to the offline experience. And it's mapping all of that out. And I think oftentimes what happens is uh, in big companies that becomes very siloed. Right. And so people don't talk to each other and they're all kind of doing their own thing. And at the end of the day, none of it connects, which is very confusing to the consumer. A great example of a very large company connecting all the data and everything that they're doing is, you know, United. Um, United knows if you're online, if you're on their app, if you called them in, and it's all automated. And so if you call them, they'll say, Are you calling about this flight? Or we just saw you were online. If you take that down to a smaller company, then the challenge becomes, Typically, it's one or two people, right? Or one, and they have to sort of manage it all. So none of it is actually the strategy isn't isn't there. They don't know where to start, and that's where through workshopping, say, okay, here's look. You could do there, there's a hundred things you can do, but what we've got to do because you've got limited time, resources, and budget is what are the most impactful channels distribution, and then how do we start building? And let's pick three of them and, and build those up and then we can add more but ultimately that they all are connected that they all support each other so it creates this cohesive experience so with the influencer stuff you've gone to a dental influencer conference now you've worked in the influencer space i know that we've seen the influencer model almost 
die and come back to life in 2.0 and almost 3.0 now in the hotel and tourism. But in dentistry, do you see that the influencer model will work? Do you think that there's a there's a vertical there for these brands to collaborate with these clinicians? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think there is a huge opportunity. It's no different than – and I think people are like, oh, this influencer marketing, it's so – Oh wow! It's like it's amazing, and it's it's new or whatever. And if you to me, if you look at it, it's kind of like it's no different than if before. If you went to the whatever the big dental magazine was, mm-hmm. right, um, back in the day, or or the big conference or whatever, those those things are all influencers in effect. It's all the same thing. It's it just happens that somebody has an audience. That one person said, "This is the space I'm going to own." I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to be consistent. They're putting out content. And because of that, they've built this audience. And so they are, in effect, a media company, an influencer. And I think that's where people get mixed up. It's not so much they're an influence. It's the fact that they have influence. And one thing I've noticed, too, and it may be different in different industries. I think in ours, we have a lot of what I consider a micro-influencer. They Mm -hmm. have a smaller – it's like I don't have a million followers, but I've got 10,000, and these 10,000 are super loyal. Yep. With the brand – there's a couple different things here. Like I'm kind of curious about this. What would be the best platforms in your mind and the best uh, – and, and it's kind of high level right now, but like strategies. So you said the companies now are trying to go through the, the dental influencers to other dental clients to sell them products. But there's also the other side of, well, I think it would be cool if the dental companies creating the products partnered with the influencers to – whether it's a dental influencer or somebody else – to kind of go direct to public and help drive business to the doctor. So this like kind of ecosystem is just very weird. And I know, do you know of any other industries who've done that well, as far as like end user, you've got the dental dentist in between. Have you seen much of that out there? If that made any sense at all. <laughs> specific, specific to dentistry or? Not necessarily dentistry, just in fact, probably better if it's not. But like, say I've got a product that I sell to a client, but that client has a client. Mm-hmm. So like I'm a B2B, but helping that, that business with B2C. Yeah. I think, I think you see a lot of that in in all industries. And I'd probably put that into like, you know, a thought leadership category, which again, in itself is thought thought leaders do have influence. Um, And so you see that actually a lot in marketing where you've got marketers who are thought leaders and out there doing things and, and whether they're speaking or they have a consultancy, all of the tech platforms the service providers that want to reach brands or their marketers engage with them to um, integrate their platforms into their presentations, into their blog post, whatever it may sense in that B2B world. So you're seeing, you know, there's, there's no shortage of marketing platforms of thousands of types out there. They're tapping into, okay, who are these in the business world? Who are these in the marketing world? People that have influence, they're paying them to promote their platform. Now, let me ask you this, because I know a lot of the, the dentists who listen to this will have this question. So uh, in our industry right now, you're seeing a lot of uh, private equity money, VCs come in and investing in corporate dentistry. And so there's this huge wave of Aspen Dental's great expressions, affordable dentures, things like that. And it seems like the dental community, a lot of them seem to be terrified of that. As a storyteller, uh, as an expert in branding and marketing, if you're a private practice, and obviously it's specific to whatever they specialize in. How would you combat that? 
because you're not going to have the same dollar spend, but you're also in a smaller localized market to where you're, you only care about 15 to 50 miles out, right? Yep. How would you compete with somebody who's got millions and millions of dollars to spend on branding and marketing, whereas you have 20,000 over the course of a year, 30,000? Uh, I think it's going to go back to you and take it back to the people space again, is right? It's like, who are you? What do you care about? What's, and, and that's where you can really dig into your personal brand. Um, what are your, what are your passions and, and invest in that? Because I think at the end of the day, most people I think want to go obviously to a dentist there, they're comfortable with the experience is good. Um, and that's what they're going to talk about. So really focusing in on that, how am I an influencer in my community? right? As a dentist, what else am I doing? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that can be expressed online and you can build an audience. And so, you know, let's say this, this is going to sound silly and a lot of people laugh at it, but one of the things that T-Mobile CEO does, he, you know, he does a live show every Sunday, a cooking show. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a live stream and it's silly and it's not corporate at all. And it's at his house and he, he talks about, cooking and that cooking's a passion of his. And so he, there's a side of him as a person that outside of that business role that people are, are tapping into. And, you know, again, people are getting to know him and like him and because they like him, they're going to like the brand. Exactly. And it kind of goes back to that authenticity, transparency you were talking about earlier. So at that local level, what is your, you know, what are some of the passion things that you locally can do? How do you tap into that community and, and create some, some content consistently online um, and it's not a big, the biggest thing is people think this costs so much money where the big thing is this time. Well, that's exactly it. The, all the tools are free. It's just time, right? And, and if you're a startup or you're, you're a young clinician coming out of school or something, or just a business owner, like it, you just got to put in the time. Yeah. It's time and understanding again, consistency. And sometimes you might have to put out 20 episodes and you're not going to see anything, but that 21st episode somebody's going to see there, it's going to blow up for whatever reason. And they're going to be like, Oh yeah, this person does has done all this stuff. Where have I, where have I been? Um, and they're going to start to dig into it. Well, David, let me interrupt you real quick. And I apologize. Um, you are the 21st episode. So, <laughs> and that's actually happening right now for our podcast. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, no, it, it, it's actually happened for us. I mean, you know, Shane and I talk about this all the time. Look, I got an app that's free. Uh, our freemium model. We got a conference that is kind of like a hobby, mm-hmm. isn't less than the business yet, right? It's working towards that. But then we have this podcast, and and so you know, I was at, I was looking at my impressions this month, and it was like something like over three hundred fifty thousand this month. And it's like, okay, that's great, but I'm still in the phase of educating yep. the dental uh, industry on the value of those impressions. And so it, it's it's a very rewardless system in the first portion of it. And it may take a year or two, but if you, I mean, just for instance, some people that we work with, like Dr. Payray, talking to him today and, you know, he's branded himself as an educator and, you know, he came in as a startup dentist from Tehran, you know, in Nashville, Tennessee, and now he's doing over 2 million a year and doesn't do general dentistry anymore. He's known as like a surgeon in a sense, even though he's just a general dentist in Nashville and it took a year and a half. He became a multi-million dollar practice because he used Instagram. Right, and at that point, he's become a thought leader. Again, whatever that sort of, that what's that lane? that he enjoys being in and can create content around. And that's, that's what I talk about finding that space. What's that, what's that one thing? So to go back to that local thing, it's it, you, you, you're building that local community and business, but then you're also building not only a national brand, a global brand in a sense, if you're consistent because anyone can access you. And that's where then all of a sudden you can become, 
you've got all this influence and you can do speaking and books and you become, uh, it's, it's sort of the old, you go back to TV, sort of the, the, the people that were on TV, I don't compare it to like infomercials, but there's all these, right. You become this, have all this influence and these new opportunities that never existed before now exist, but it doesn't happen overnight. And it, again, it just, it's, it is understanding that this is, it's my time and I've got to invest it and I keep doing it and, and something will, will come from it. Well, it sounds like you're saying too, and correct me if I'm wrong, that focus more on being authentic and finding your style so you can stick with it and be consistent versus trying to replicate somebody else's style. Yeah, exactly. You've got to, if you, if you're trying to be, try to do what someone else is doing, it's going to, you know, uh, either come off of that or people are going to see right through it. And so that's where it's, what are those passion points? What are something that you're interested in that you can create content around that may be connected to uh, what you do or may not be, but it's about building that up and you're going to build that audience up and that audience is, you know, you can move that audience over to your business. Um, but it, it does take time to build that audience. And I, I talked about at the conference, it's what I run through in all the strategy sessions and workshops is that they call the three C strategy, which is that content community and commerce. And so it's about scaling content first, and that can take a long time, um, finding the right channels. What is that content? And then slowly you build a community around it. And that could be that community can mean subscribers it could be listeners it could be whatever it is um, but building and engaging that community and then that last part is commerce then how are you you know extracting commerce from that community and if you do that right and follow it in that order that will build up over time i would say that's kind of what dia did whether they did it on purpose or an accident or whatever but you guys had great content you built this community and then you turned it into a conference which is commerce so build engage commerce in my mind, that's a that's a good example in dental of what just happened, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also getting on these channels, you know, new channels early. And it's it's not chasing the new shiny object, but I think it's understanding the different types of of content that you put out. Um, Evan Spiegel, the uh, co-founder of Snapchat, was just talking yesterday about how he thinks that TikTok will take over Instagram and really these these three types of different platforms where Snap is very much about self-expression. And we you look at the type of content, Instagram is very much about status posts, the type of content people are putting around status. And then TikTok is really around talent type content. Have you attacked TikTok much from you know generating content for it for any of the brands you work with? Because that one's interesting to me too, because I, I like engaging with the content. I like watching it. It's entertainment. It's kind of addictive, but I haven't really you know dove in at all and understand what what is good content there. I'm overthinking and I tell people over time, don't overthink Yeah, I think it, you know, one of the things that people go and I talk about uh, uh, TikTok is, uh, well, it's a bunch of kids. And I'm like, well, it's actually not. <laughs> if you it's it's not their parents are on there too what you, if you actually spend time with it um yes when you first go on you see a bunch of kids uh, essentially it, it once the algorithm figures out what you're watching or searching for there are uh i mean there are uh, hundreds of different sort of fields and types of people on there there's Old, a lot of old senior citizens on there that have super interesting and engaging yeah, I've seen a lot of that. channels. There's there's a whole movement. Um, I'm working on a post around this around cops on on TikTok where they've yeah. sort of this idea of changing the perception 
of of what they do and who they are and they're and they're not only and you're talking about in their industry they're becoming influencers there's some cops who have a million subscribers because of the content they put out and imagine if geico came to them and said hey <laughs> you know, one day you might get stopped by a cop yeah. and say, Hey, you should change your insurance to Geico, right? <laughs> here's my, here's my thing, whatever it is. And, and because people like that are gaining massive influence right now on that channel. Well, I think with TikTok, you know, it, it's still kind of a little bit gimmicky feeling to professionals, right? But, it, but if you just embrace that and have fun with it from a dental clinic perspective, Right. If you got your team involved, who's a very young age, most of the assistants are, you know, front office. They're usually of younger age, and you get them involved and allow them to have fun with it and create that content initially, because it's around dancing and having fun. I think it it's a low risk, low R uh, or low investment uh, channel to chase. Let them have fun with it. Take take a risk. Well, I think in, in a different way, like every one of the platforms represents. Like we're not just one person, right? Like the way I am at work is different than well, not anymore, but like the way I am at work should be different than the way I am at home with my family versus the way I am. Like so, each platform, you know, in my eyes, is different. Like LinkedIn is the more professional one, obviously. You know, Facebook is more of like, you know, more grandparents are at this point. I mean, everybody's on Facebook, but kind of house photos, like family stuff, whatever. Instagram is kind of, you know, I see it more as a community the way I use it. And then TikTok is more of the what you're doing with my kids goofing around, you know, really lighthearted, not as much thought into it, just being good. Yeah, I think a lot of it. And it's and that's where right now it's about talent based. But I think, I mean, if you go on TikTok right now, there's dentists that ha- are 100,000, 200,000 followers. There's like a dude with like 2 million followers, like the Bentist or something. He's an orthodontist. Brilliant because his clientele yeah. is the kids and then he's good looking. So probably they're 35 to 40 year old mothers too. And that's part of that community, right? Like I think that's the goal. It's it's not about putting out – I mean you want to put out great content, but you want to create the culture like David was talking about, this community that wants to promote you because you can only do so much as a single person. But if you build this – brand that has something attached to it, this community or, or around it, this movement around it and the, or this experience, then it can go viral. Then it there's an incentive for that community to promote you and, and push people inwards towards you. And we've, I've started seeing that with Implant Compare finally. It took a few years, but it's helped us tremendously with our growth because you know we built that kind of uh, culture, a cult following. Yeah. Yeah. And regardless of channel, you've got to, you do have to test different type of content, right? What you think will work may not work and uh you it all depends on the audience you have if you do have one and and kind of finding out hey is this is this even the audience i want right and so it does take time to test that and and sort of refine it but the biggest step is doing it (laughs) yeah well that's it trying it because you because i'm reading on on your website like you know talking to brands about permission to fail like trying stuff can you go into that a little bit because i think that's important yeah and i and i think if so you know to at different levels if you are you know, a smaller business, the, the, the fear factor there is very much personal um, because you're afraid to put out content, what people are going to think about it. it. What are they going to say? Is it perfect? Are they going to like it? But at the end of the day at that, you've, you've got to put that out and figure it out. And I think ultimately who, who cares what they think you're, you know, you're investing your time to, to, to build your brand. I think at the, and, and there's a lot more room and opportunity for you to, to learn and and kind of quote fail, um, but that's the only way that you actually get to what to what works. Trying it over and over and over again until you sort of refine it and see, okay, this is this is working, and then you can make sort of edits along the way. I think 
you look at bigger brands, the the sort of the permission to fail, the fear of failure, that that becomes much more political in nature and that and it comes back to people, but people are afraid to because of their jobs, you know, they need to sure. sort of uh, save their save what they're doing, or yeah, they're going to be more conservative because they're kind of they're working to keep a job as opposed to like being their own personal brand, right? And so that's where a lot of when we talk about a lot of companies talk about sort of permission to fail. It, is it really a real thing or not? There's very few that actually uh, truly do give employees an opportunity to okay, let's go. You know, let's try it and and not we don't have to make a big investment in it, but the fact that they're able to try it. Yeah, I'd say there's very few publicly traded companies that that happens at anymore because, I mean, you got shareholders, you got to you got to show ROI immediately. How, how do you have that conversation with in our industry specifically? We touched on a little bit, but like, all right, I'm spending X amount of marketing and I expect this amount of money back. And with brand building, it's it's a completely different game. How do you, when you're talking to top level execs, how do you broach that with them? You know what I mean? Like that's a tough subject. Like you may not see an immediate ROI, but you want to see long-term. Nobody's patient anymore. I, I think first it goes back to uh, if it's, you know, senior level, I always start with numbers because what they're used to seeing. So it's using the data that's out there to show, look, the consumer behavior has changed and this is what you need to be doing and the why behind it. And also that it's not about shutting everything else off that you're doing. It's about the slow transition. And, you know, is there room for mailers? Sure. Maybe it's about moving some of that money into trying something different. And so I think you get them to understand that through the, the numbers way, backed by a, a strategy, um, they, they start to under. Uh, understand that. I think uh, B2C brands understand that investing in in brand is important and that it's not a immediate payoff, um, whereas B2B brands tend to be less investment in brand. They're very much about performance marketing and need immediate uh, sort of results. But then that's also shifting. If you look at a platform like GoDaddy, they're, they've got, you know, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 original shows that they produce out of their studio that's all around small business. So GoDaddy did was say, look, what's the space we want to own? We want to own small business and entrepreneurs, so we're going to create content around that. That doesn't mean that they're going on shutting you know, all their other ad- advertising off and investing only in that. It's just it's part of it. So getting to understand it is about integrating it into, and then getting that point, connecting everything. So everything leads and supports each other versus marketing in silos. Well, that's actually a good point. So, you know, talking about media, being a media house and all that and and original content generation, do you see these big uh, dental industries or do they need to be going into their own kind of content generation, whether it's a show, whether it's commercials in the form of, of short stories, like uh, the two brothers story that you, or the two Bellman story that you did with Marriott, you know, do you think that there's a, a, a silo for that and, and them going into making their own kind of content? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, does a, and it's going to depend on the type of practice and, you know, does a small practice need to go make a a film? Maybe not, but could it do uh, some sort of episodic series, a podcast? Absolutely. You guys are doing it with this podcast. That's original show programming, right? It's, so it's, I, I think specifically, this is an idea that I gave away at the conference. There, there's no reason that uh, whether it's a supplier of product, an association, you guys, whoever 
could go out not could go out and say we're going to create the documentary around the history of dentistry and tools and whatever it may be right that that could be something that's super interesting that people would find intriguing and so and then we're going to go out and get uh, four or five sponsors to to fund it and go and sell it to produce it and then put it on Netflix and Hulu and license it and all that um, now your brand and those supporters of it are now in places they would have never been on that they would have had to pay to get on before but because you invested in content and storytelling it's not that expensive to do that um, you could sort of create that world so I think that there's a lot of opportunities out there I think it's one thing is understanding you don't have to do it all by yourself. You can bring on sort of other partners that are like-minded, that get it, that are all about a sort of a, a network of they understand why they're participating in it. Um, so there's a lot of lot of opportunity there. You don't have to go big. I think you're dead right. I think the problem is the mindset of the industry. We're uh, very much a oligopoly, if you will. Um, and, and these companies love exclusivity. They don't work well with each other in, because maybe one day they're going to acquire a company that may conflict with that set company. And so right now, me personally, I know I'm having the issue uh, of getting them to sit down and say, like, look, working together for the greater good is a win for everybody. You know, and, and we've got to sit down and start working with each other to make the, our risk a little bit lower. What do you think you would say to those executives if they're listening right now? I think in in uh, one part, I think it's probably old, it's certainly old school thinking. Um, and I would map it back to that, you know, everybody is, um, you know, they're, they're probably too focused on the industry. And what they need to realize is that, look, everyone is your competition now. It's, it's friends, it's family. It's coworkers. We're all competing for each other's time. So if a collective of us that align on something can get together, we're more likely to capture more attention and more time because now we've got a bigger network, um, a bigger distribution channel, and that those people are going to go where they go. But collectively, you're, you can make a bigger impact. Yeah, and I, I just we talked about this before. I don't ever see that happening. Dental, like let's just take dental implants for you could get all the big boys together, and they could have like a group fund and do, you know, national campaigns to make more awareness for implants and the benefits and all that. And it would have major, major impact in the industry, but none of them are willing to do it. Well, isn't that funny though? Cause only the, I think the, as you and I were talking about this chain or somebody that there's only like 30, 33% of the market that needs implants is being served right now. It's actually 11. That was Ken and uh, the Zimmer boys. That, it's actually 11% right now 11%. Great, in the U S 11%. Yeah. So there's, there's 89% of the market still out there up for grabs and they're fighting over. And we're 11. fighting over the 11 as opposed to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, going after the 89%, <laughs> which is nuts, man. It's just kind of crazy, but that's kind of that. It's just a weird industry. And I feel like dental falls behind medical is keeping up with trends by a, a large margin. And so we're medical as a lag dental has even bigger lag in all aspects. Dental's not as sexy, right? Medical is sexy because the, the billion dollar price tags. Well, saying that like perception dental. All right, David, I'm actually curious about this. So, you know, in your presentation at DIA, you're like, you know, when I, when I realized I was going to do, you know, speak at DIA, you're like, ugh, Dennis, you know, ugh. How is your perception changing and, and what things do you see where you're like, man, I would do this, I would do that. Give away some of those pearls for free for some of these guys. Well, I think it's for me. It's when I when I say that it's that like everybody. I think most people don't like 
the dentist <laughs> going to the experience, yes. the experience overall. It's, I think there's a survey. People would rather go to the proctologist than the yeah. dentist. That says something. Um, that to me <laughs> comes down to good, certainly great marketing, right? Like who is this, who is this person? How do I relate, connect to them? Um, word of mouth. What is, you know, the online review. That's another important area. Just like in the hotel business, what are people saying about the overall experience? But then the experience itself, there's, you know, I go to the same doctor forever because it's it's an experience when I go there. The people are friendly. It's like a party. I mean, they're literally having so nice. much fun that you don't even feel like you're in a, a, a doctor's office. It's the people you can call and get an appointment. They pick up the phones. They're proactive and they remember things about you and they ask how you are. And, it, and that's where that you can do the best marketing in the world. But if that experience when they walk in the door sucks, it's you've lost that person and they're not going and they're going to go out and talk bad about you, which kills your weird word about. So you could be great at marketing, but it has to match with the, the internal team. The entire experience has to be the same as what you're putting out in the ecosystem. Yeah. I think there's a whole, I think on top of marketing, anything that is, is retail or again, experiential focused is People need to invest in what is that experience and what makes it different. So, uh, you know, why is every, I know it's not this way, but why is every dentist office broad statement the same, right? It's the same feeling. Why, why not make it fun and, and entertaining and thing that idea of the bank? Um, how do I make mm -hmm. this an experience that people are going to enjoy? They're going to go tell their friends about it, which is going to get me more people, which is going to start to change the perception of I hate going to the dentist because of whatever reason over time, then, you, you know, why, why not create content around that too? produce a, a show right in your, your dental office that that's fun, that helps express that experience. But we talked about this a lot at, at Marriott was that, look, we put the best ads out and say, you know, it's the best place to stay. And this brand has this and that, but that, Real experience starts with the bellman, the valet, the front desk person. And if that experience is bad, it sets the tone for the rest of it. Now that you're kind of getting into the dental field a little bit, is it something you want to explore? I know you, you have a masterclass coming up, right? Yeah. So we've got a, a series, a couple of different options. One is sort of a starter sort of 90 minute session on, you know, individuals. And then we've got a, a group one and then a, a private one. But that idea of and it, and it runs through all of this for them specific to their practice. But I do think people need to invest in, in that experience. And I think it's it'd be for a dentist, for a doctor, for anyone that has, again, that experiential type thing. They, I think they just become so numb to it because they see it every day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Or they don't. And so they kind of, but they're focused on all this other stuff. And I think we forget about the power of, of word of mouth so often. Especially for a dental practice, if it's a private practice in a localized market. That's important. Absolutely. Because word of mouth is not just, I'm talking to somebody or I've made a phone call. It's social media. It's whatever now. That's all. Yeah, it's, a, it's an influencer with a million followers saying, I, you know, videoing their experience there, posting a TikTok video. I mean, or it, it's it, my mom it, with it, a it, thousand it, Facebook friends that all live in the city that you practice dentistry in. That's just it, as important. Right. I mean, for right. real though, it's, it's yeah. quality too, not just quantity. <laughs> with what's that, again, that experience of what else can they do? What else can they learn about while they're there? You know, Verizon has this experience in DC that is all about the history of the internet. 
and how they were part of it and even not part of it. So they've got a whole experiential museum kind of set up where you can go through from the very beginning and see the actual products. And they've, and, and they use this in a very different way, much more for in the sort of political world to change perception of Verizon. But it, it's that same thing. What, what is happening where you can inform and educate people while they're not in a chair? Well, let me ask you this. What's the least path of resistance to working with you? Because let's say that we don't have a, a budget like uh, Southeastern Airlines or something to work with you. You know, what what is the way that it, they can get started? Is it the masterclass? Is there, um, you know, should obviously follow you on social media. I know I get a lot of great content from you on LinkedIn. I think the easiest thing is, you know, I, I do, you know, short strategy session calls. Um, they're, they're 90 minutes and we kind of go through all of this and uh, learn about what is your what is your practice? What do you want to do to talk about content, what you're doing now, look at an audit of your social media and, and your site. And out of that kind of becomes next steps of, okay, here's, you know, what I'm hearing, here's where I think the opportunity is. And sort of here's where I would invest next in whatever that may be. And it may not be, maybe it's not as much social media, maybe it's much more in the experiential phase, or maybe you were really focused on wanting to become more of an influencer you tell you a lot of people too will look at this in the real estate world as real estate agents or even doctors. And you know, being in LA, there's a lot of them that are on TV shows, right? Right? And they're they're they have influence now. Um, they have large followings on social media, and they're speaking, and they've got books, and they've got uh, webinars, whatever it is that they do. They're in de facto celebrity slash influencer have influence. What's the ROI of that? Well, two years later now, I want to say that I go to the dentist who has, who was on a reality TV show or ha- is a globally known speaker with books because it's a status thing. You better, you better believe this. If I got a big cyst on me, I'm going to see Dr. Pimple Popper. Like my kids <laughs> <Yeah>. love her. <laughs> well, look at your buddy, Rich Cosenstein. You know, he, he did that yeah. little video, the, the Kiki challenge or whatever, right? It's 10, 15 seconds of his day. They threw that together, and then he ends up making it on Ellen. He's got a million Facebook followers and, like, super humble, nice guy, and his practice is exploding. Well, I mean, he's look, he's pretty, so that helps. Like, you know, so the the, the ugly guys listening right now are like, oh, yeah, no well, shit. yeah, he's a humble, sweet guy to Greenville. He's like, I don't know, you've probably seen him at the Dancing Dennis. He's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, so I got a picture of him like, God, I am that small. And just jacked, like, I mean, it just – the nicest guy you're like god you got it all man it's not fair (laughs) well i think if you look at you know an example of this is a friend of mine who's a a real estate agent in town he three years ago he started a show called the real estate minute and it's a three minute web series he does it's very simple setup act one is uh him talking about real estate news act two is the learning about something in the city of los angeles so maybe it's learning about some historic architecture in downtown, you know, and act three is something around the homes that celebrity, whatever it may be. But he started that show. And if you go back and look at episode one, it looks like a fifth grader produced it, but it was just him. And you look at now he's been doing it for three years. It's hundreds and hundreds of episodes because he does a new one each week. And finally, after three years, it's all paying back now. He's on two national TV shows. And in his content, he's not trying to promote anything. But because he's giving away content that's valuable, people are like trusting him. And they're building that 
I like him, so I'm going to call him up when I do need to buy or sell a home, and it's it's worked successful. It took years for people to watch. Um, his episodes get you know a lot of views now compared to the couple beginning where it was just a couple hundred, but then it brought him all this influence, and so that's an example. You don't. I think we get so caught up, and I have to talk about my practice, what I do, and it's about what can I create that is just informational in nature that's entertaining and informative we, you know dentists could do a weekly show as well in their community yeah i think like you like to fish do the dentist who fishes right. you know what i mean because there's going to be a lot of people who like to fish it, it doesn't have to be that thought out do the things you love own your art look at salib we had salib on here he is his instagram handle is surgical gourmet right and so he posts surgical photos and videos and then he posts incredible recipes for fine wines you know and it, it works for him. He's got 23,000 followers and it's, it's worked oh, yeah. out. So. He's got me cooking, Blake. He's got me yeah, cooking. But you're not a good cook yet. <laughs> right. But the difference is, you know what? Now you, you guys are talking about it. Right. It's content. I'm trying my best, Blake. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think, I think that is it though, is the fact that you have to own your passion, your art, your chase, your lane. Don't chase someone right. else's lane because you're only going to, it's going to become a job at that point because you're trying to be something that you're not. It's not as much work for me as a content generator when I'm doing something from the heart. When I'm trying to keep up with a status quo or replicate something, like I love the Peloton commercials. So I was trying to make our stuff like the Peloton commercials and you know, it just never came to fruition, That what I love. So when I started just shooting from the hip, it's easier and it makes better content, I think. Yeah. And if you look at, you know, use Peloton as an example, when their ad came out and everyone was so offended by it, a couple of things. One is I think, look, at the end of the day, Peloton knows who their audience is. They know who it's not. And right. so they have a very high-end audience they want to reach. And so their content's going to look like that. And a lot of people don't like that. But you know what? It's not for you. <laughs> and, sure. No. Yeah. And the, <laughs> you don't have enough money anyways. The, and it's the same thing. And then you look at the idea of we talked about real-time marketing and social media. Within a matter of, I think, 72 hours, Ryan Reynolds turned around, promote his gen company, Aviation Gen, and made the parody ad. And, and that's that, yeah. that goes back to the idea of on, on social and just in general and culture is what are, what are those trends that you can tap into and have the opportunity to, to like make content around because there is a certain amount of virality around them and people are talking about it. So where's the, you know, was there an opportunity maybe for a dentist to create some sort of parody ad? And you've got to pick up the device. Like you have to engage. Right. This isn't automated. No. They're, they're the key component of this is there needs to be a human factor involved. Yep. Yep. No, I, I think that's great. So David, shout out to, uh, give us some of your, your links, whatever the best way is to get to start following you and maybe. Get yeah. For me. one of these big corporate accounts who's going to get wise and be like, Holy crap, we got to work with this. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, the easiest place to go is, uh, is my, you know, site, davidbb.com. It's two E's in the middle and one on the end. And then it's the same name pretty much everywhere on social. And I think, you know, the, the best place to start again, regardless is just, strategy sessions and some some workshops around um, even on-site workshops that I do for a day or two coming out and just figuring out, okay, it, it's sort of just digging into everything you've done, the outcome of that and what the deliverable there is. You actually leave with a solid sort of blueprint in a sense of, okay, here's what I've got to, here's what I'm doing. Here's the path I'm going to take and a whole strategy, A to Z strategy around of those. And then it's, uh, you, then you've got to actually, you know, do it. Um, in some cases, we do 
you know, we do work with small businesses on doing their websites and apps and things. And so we have a small team that does that. We don't actively promote that, but it's more for the ones that we're working with already where the outcome or the strategy is they, they do need to invest in that. So we do that as a, sort of a, not a side thing, but something that's area that's for people that we're already working with. Because, uh, yeah, part marketing companies or, or branding companies partnering with other marketing companies doesn't usually work too well. So it's good that you have that in-house team that can provide that as well if you need it. Yeah, yeah. Are Any chance we, you're going to be in DIA in Atlanta here next year? Oh, yeah. I'm already, I already have it on my calendar. I don't know what I'm going to be doing there, but it's already... <laughs> uh, you're going to be having me pouring more shots down a luge for you, my friend. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to try not to fall <laughs> in between the dance, the, 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 the table or whatever. <laughs> the table. <laughs> I think about 15 people fell there. You, you have to be there to understand what the hell happened. Yeah, that, was, was, that was kind of our fault for dancing yeah. on those tables. Uh, I think my leg hurt for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. David, thank you so much, man. I've been so excited about doing this all week and uh, I really have enjoyed this. Hopefully hopefully, we get to do it again, pick your brain another time because I think there's just so much value. If you guys are listeners and you're smart, go check out his website. I'm going to be doing the workshop for sure. Um, you see a sales rep not having a practice. I, I just, I know the value I'm going to get out of it. So um, you're dumb if you don't. And your big brands out there. I'm telling you, Blake and I talked about this uh, when I was driving back. I'm like, if Walmart industry or like Aspen or one of these big boys doesn't call you, they're out of their freaking minds. So thank you so much. I feel like we, we got a really cool brainstorming session for free here. Absolutely. My pleasure. And then I'll see you guys. Uh, where Where's the next one? Atlanta. Atlanta at the uh, Hyatt, the Grand Hyatt. Yes. So we'll see you in the ATL. You can stay on my couch, but something tells me that you probably have somebody at Marriott you can call. I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, again, thank you, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And guys, you can catch us on the next episode of the All In Podcast. Thanks for listening to the All In Podcast. See you next time.